I appreciate everybody coming out. We, um, we're talking about what the reason we're going over this is because I just kind of got this uh, idea to take maybe nine or ten of the top topics of this house, and the DNA of this house, and really it's not just this house. It's, a, it's the movement that you hear that's taking place in the church and the shift that's taking place in a lot of churches in um, I wouldn't say a lot in Alabama, but I would say a lot in the United States. Um, one of the key leading examples of this, in my opinion, is Bethel. Um, this apostolic model that we call it, the revelation of what that really is, and how they express it, and how you see them live it. It's kind of who we model after, you know, a lot of people model after Ark or they model after uh, which is church. It's not Church of the Highlands, but it's Chris. His, um, I don't even know what you call that model. I guess. Um, and then uh, I know Jerry Lawson at Daystar. He has another model that he kind of launches people out under. Uh, it's called Twenty Four to Double. Um, so it's kind of you know there are different models on how to do church, how to do church government, and and we so we kind of model after that. What, what I call the Bethel model, the apostolic model, and uh, I believe they do a better job than anybody of explaining it and also uh, living it. So that's kind of how we model this house. Um, and we wanted to take some topics and explain what that means. And last week we looked at the fivefold uh, ministry, the fivefold offices found in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bible, we'll be talking about that passage of Scripture tonight where um, Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, explains how Christ took out of himself the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. And that's, that's kind of the five-fold model that we follow here. In other words, we don't have a traditional pastoral model where in the South, especially the Bible Belt, we call it, uh, there's a lot of emphasis on the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. You, you very rarely, if you hear at all, about the apostle and prophet. Cessationalism says that those two offices ceased, which there's no absolutely no scriptural foundation for that. Um, so we believe that all those offices are still necessary for the body of Christ to be mature, according to Ephesians chapter 4. And so that's what we follow. People can argue that, and, you know, to me, they're open to follow whatever model they want to follow, but that's, that's how we model this house. So tonight, we're going to be talking because a lot of people have prophesied this over us. We've never said this about ourselves. You know, when somebody asked me, I think we was at, um, was that, what's that conference coming up in August that you're going to? The BOA. Yeah. Voice of uh, Apostles through Randy Clark. I was there last year with Abner. And Paul and we were eating dinner with some other guys from across the nation and one of the guys said how would you describe your church and I'm like I don't have any idea how to describe our church you know we're only about two years old I don't even know what it is yet um, I felt a little foolish to be honest with you that I couldn't tell him what kind of church we were but then Abner spoke up and said well they're they're a revival church you know and, and Abner's been one of the ones that said you guys are uh, prophetically you guys are an apostolic equipping center and quite honestly, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. You know, that's what we are. But then after so many people come into the house and start saying that, and you start studying it out, that is what really every church is supposed to be, an apostolic equipping center. So we're going to talk about that tonight, what that is, what that looks like. 
and um, give you some characteristics of that and how really uh, it's beneficial for you to make sure you align yourself in one of those houses. It doesn't have to be here, but you need to find some house that follows this model uh, because in a pastoral model, the highest you can go is the pastor. So if you don't plan to knock him off, you know, he's the lead in the church. So that's it. <laughs> you know, if, if you feel like you, you've been called to something or if God is leading you to some, something that passes the pastor, in that church, you don't have the opportunity for that. Um, if you've ever studied John Maxwell, um, which John follows the pastoral model, but he also uh, follows just understanding leadership, and, and he calls it the law of the lead. In other words, nobody in the organization will ever be able to excel past the person that's the point man for the organization. That his lead will be your lead. And in a pastoral model, that's usually the way it works. And, and I describe it like this. Paul actually had a kind of a vision of this before I'd ever heard about it. And um, a lot of people use this description now. It's like in a traditional pastoral model, you have a governmental structure that resembles a triangle. Okay? And at the pinnacle, at the top of the structure is the pastor. You know, and under him you'll have elders or whatever you call them, deacons. Under that you might have pastoral council. Um, you, you might have several different branches under him, but everything, he, he's the pinnacle. And when you hear people talk about their church, they'll always talk about the pastor because he's the emphasis. Our pastor's awesome, you know, and, and that's great. That's great when you say it in the context of God. In other words, yeah, man, I love our pastor. He's great, man. You know, he taught, taught us about the supernatural, about God, and God's really moving. And then they transition past the pastor into talking about what God's doing in the house. That's, that's okay. That's healthy. That's good. But when all of the focus is on the man, then that's very unhealthy. You, you wonder what the organization is even about when one person is getting all the, the glory, so to speak, and that one person's not God. So you really want to create an environment where, where the name of God and his name is being made great. And, and that's generally not what we see in this type of government. Usually the main focus in this type of structure, because pastors, and we talked about this last week, by nature... It's, it's an asset you can't do without in a church. I mean, you've got to have somebody who's in the office of a pastor. Or else you'll lose people because there's nobody in the structure. If, the, if you don't have a pastor or a pastoral mindset, nobody's concerned with the people. Mm -hmm. And so, but the problem with that is when that's distorted... And a pastor is the main emphasis of a church. Everything, all of the attention is introverted. It's all about the people of the church. Building programs are about programs that make the people happy. Financial resources that are put in the church are spent on making the people happy. Everything about the church is about meeting the needs of the people. And even though you have to have that focus, and scripturally speaking, we're, we're commanded to assign people that have that focus in the church, the main focus of God's heart 
is outside the church. You know, when Peter preached that message that turned so many hearts right after the resurrection and after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that wasn't in the synagogue. That was out in the street. And we see home cell groups. That's a great idea. That was built out of necessity. There were so many people in the streets that were being saved that this concept of family and church was created by God to where these people could now be equipped to walk in this freedom they had already just, or they had just initially found, and they could be trained to go out and replicate what they had found. And the problem with this model is we're, we're, it's all about being introverted. It's all about our house. In other words, we want to come into this place, slam the door, and live within the protection of this family. And a pastor's about that. You know, he, he's, he's, he has that vision. He, he, most of the time, the ones that I've been under, they have somewhat of a supernatural vision as it pertains to the people in their congregation. In other words, they won't make decisions that, that anger anybody or that anybody gets upset with, even if, even if they may think it's God. Everything they do, they're constantly being weighted on by what, how the people are going to interpret what's being said. And a pastor lives in that area. You've got to have the pastor because he's one of the five offices mentioned in, in Ephesians chapter 4. But when you, make, when you put him in a position that's out of authority, and in, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, you may have that in your notes as well. Um, chapter 12. He, yeah, he gives an order. Paul gives an order to the Corinthian church. He says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers... He doesn't even mention the office of a pastor. And that's not to say that it's not necessary. It's just there is a heaven flow. There is a governmental structure from heaven. There is a way that you do government in the kingdom. And when you get that out of order, you don't have that flow. And those resources, those supernatural resources from heaven are cut off. And then you have to turn to the pastor and the teacher because then all you have left is intellect. And this is another reason the teacher office has been so highly exalted in the modern church is because when we don't have the power of God manifesting in our life, we have to then turn to intellect because we have nothing to prove what we're saying. So we have to be intellectually superior to the person that we're engaging in order to prove we're right instead of just allowing the power of God to manifest and show that what we just spoke of is the truth. And so in, uh, in this model, it's, it's kind of that type of governmental structure. And this is the thing. Like, if you're here, you get saved, and you come in on the ground floor, and God starts to exalt you, and God starts to move you up in revelation and power and different things, usually, by the time you get up to, say, the elders one or two things are going to happen. They're going to um, begin to try to, to rein you in, to educate you, to, to harness you, or they're going to see you as a threat. The pastor then is going to begin to see you as a threat. Competition. You know, if God's using you, it's just like, it's the, it's just the example of Saul and David. 
I don't believe, I believe that God was about kings. I believe that God wanted a king over Israel. And I believe that king was David. But the people demanded a king. So they got, they got out of order. And then so Saul was set in there and then what started happening? The anointing that was on David's life started to become obvious and evident. Saul knew that David had been appointed king. And so Saul then, the only way he could remain in power is to what? Try to assassinate David. And that's kind of in the governmental structure. Everything about that structure is to empower the person that's head of the structure. It's the same way in government. And this is nothing more than an earthly model. We've taken an earthly understanding, a worldly understanding of how government works, and we've tried to adopt it into the church because now the church has no power, no manifestation. We don't have heaven's agenda. We don't have heaven's grace to do church. So we got to try to figure out how to do it, and we manipulate it. This whole paradigm is about control. Control. When somebody messed up in our church under this paradigm, the first thing we tried to do was get control of the situation. It's not about empowerment. It's not about releasing. It's sure not about releasing because releasing is seen as not being loyal. Now, I'm going to go over this right here real quick, and then I'm going to let Paul get into his notes because he's got some great characteristics of an apostolic equipping center. I promise you we're going to get there. <laughs> but I'm just kind of going over some of the things that are different about what we see in this area especially versus what we believe God's doing. And uh, I've gotten my notes. The truth is only heaven's template can reproduce heaven in the earth. And heaven's template for gov church government, as we see in Ephesians chapter 4, is an inverted triangle. It's an upside-down triangle. Everything in the kingdom is upside-down. At the bottom, you have all your five-fold ministries. You know, you have the apostle, the prophet, so on, etc. All right, they're here. They're servants. Now, even though it may be them that's in the pulpit, it may be them that's trying to spearhead the movement, but their responsibility is to equip the church, to equip the saints, so that the saints can then engage in the work of the ministry. Now, that doesn't dismiss them from being involved in the work of the ministry. It's just they've been given the task of equipping the saints. That's right. And everything about from this point to this point, this is you in here. There is no lid. Isaiah chapter 9, the momentum of the kingdom is continuous. It's continuously moving forward, and it's continuously expanding. So once you come under the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, once you're in that environment, there's no cap to what you can accomplish. It's not about me worrying about my position or me trying to hold you in or, or uh, try to regulate you or see you as a threat. It's about me trying to figure out, along with the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, who you really are, what are what's your talent, what's your gold, what gold is in you, and try to help you bring that out and really tap into the untapped potential of your life. You know, an apostolic equipping center is, is, trying to, is trying to help with the Holy Spirit figure out who you are and then see how we can help equip you to release you. It's all about sending. Jesus wasn't about gathering. 
He wasn't about gathering people. He was about equipping people and sending people. You know, the whole, the whole illustration of the 70. He was equipping and he was sending. He would say, go. You know, we sent the 12, go. He, he sent me and you, go. It's all about equipping and sending. And that's a different model. And sometimes, like in this house, it'll look like we're not concerned with the house. We are very concerned with the people in the house. I mean, without the people in the house, we're out of business. You can't equip people who aren't in the seats. So there is a focus there, but it's, the main focus is, is duplicating the government and agenda of heaven in the community. It's bringing heaven into the earth. All the supernatural signs and wonders, all the manifestations of the kingdom, all of those things, how do we reproduce that in the earth? How do I see Cody for who he is, see Luke for who he is, see Kim for who she is? How do I see them? How do I help equip them to become everything they're supposed to be? And this is another movement, not necessarily in the house. People think in a pastoral model, if I'm in ministry, it's in the house. But in an apostolic model, it's like, who, can, who is Chris and who is he supposed to be to the world? Because that's the key question. Maybe he's not supposed to be a pulpiteer. Maybe he's supposed to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Maybe this guy's supposed to be running a dance company. Maybe this lady is supposed to open up some type of restaurant so that she can really impact the world for the kingdom through her restaurant. I mean, what is it that you do? Where's the favor of God on your life, and how can we partner with you, help equip you, so that you can be released into the world to be who you're supposed to be? Maybe it is a worship leader. But I promise you, in this house, if Justin's a worship leader, the agenda of God is not to just keep Justin as worship leader in Freedom Point. There's something that he has that's supposed to be released into the world. So the focus will be hide him in the house, help him build the character he needs, and then God will present him to the world. You watch anybody that gets connected with Bethel, what happens? Eventually, they're released. All of a sudden, they got their own CD. All of a sudden, they got their own tour dates. All of a sudden... You know, I know Chris. I didn't even know who this guy Chris was. I bought a CD. It's blowing my mind. It's better than anything Bethel's put out, in my opinion, in the past year. I mean, this guy's got an anointing, man. And I, I looked on Facebook today, and him and Kim Walker's leading worship by themselves somewhere across the country. So this guy, you know, I mean, he, he's built whatever he needed. And now God said, I'm going to raise him up inside Bethel for the house, but now I'm going to release him to the world. Yeah. All you guys have a... You have a call nationally and globally. No, I mean, you were created, put into history for such a time as this to impact the world. And so an apostolic house will help you identify yourself and help you grow in that and um, help release you into your destiny. Danny Silk says this, without a complete mature expression of the five graces that equip the saints, the people of God cannot be adequately prepared to receive what God is pouring out and to release it to the world around them. So in other words, when God starts to, to move in you and pour out into you, if you're not sitting under this model, like in this house, we don't necessarily have all five-fold offices filled, but at least we have the core 
and we're connecting with other houses that have that to offer you. You know, we're lining those people up to come in and, and, and speak to you and minister to you and release to you what they bring to the table. And um, without that, you won't be prepared. You know, you can say, I want to catch fire and burn for God all day long. This, this is the kind of confusion that's bred in people's lives. I got saved. I just want to burn for Jesus. That's awesome. But you're going to have to have some place that you can get connected to be equipped and be uh, taught, be mentored, and, and, and have that covering to be sent from. And this, is, this to me is, is one of the missing links. You, you see guys, and for 50 years they go out on their own and they struggle. And it never seems to happen for them in ministry. And the problem is what God was trying to pour into their life for them to release, they weren't connected with the five-fold office. And that is the structure of heaven. And if you don't want to submit to that structure, you're, out of, you're misaligned. When you're in misalignment, there's, there's not any synergy between heaven and earth for you. And that's why people say, well, God sent me to this church over here to revolutionize this church. I, I just, I, I don't see that. I've been alive 45 years. I'm going to say, that ain't God. That's just me. You can believe that or not. But how is God going to create a synergy between heaven and earth when the man in the pulpit, the man who's spearheading the movement, refuses it? And if God can't convince him in his prayer time, how do you think you being sent is going to I mean, if, you know, God has spoken that to me before. Hey, if I can't get through it to them, how do you think you're going to get through it to them? <laughs> you know, I've been working on them for 25 years. They ain't hearing it. And it's okay. They're believers. They're sons. They're going to heaven. But you just have to leave them in their revelation. You know, nobody brought me out into a different revelation but the Holy Spirit. And when I started pursuing it, then God started opening it up. But nobody forced me to do it. Nobody convinced me to do it. So, you know, that's kind of some of the differences between, I'm going to let Paul get in his notes now, between what we're trying to accomplish in an apostolic equipping center, which is solely built around the people of God to equip you. You know, it's not about you coming under submission to me and following everything I do. I'm here by the anointing of God in the, office of that, in the office of an apostle, which is something I didn't ask for, and I really didn't even recognize in myself. That's just what other people have said. This is who you are. And when you study it out and you start to look at it, you say, okay, I see that. And then you have to submit to it. And you can't worry about how, how other people perceive that. And once you submit to it, then you've got a responsibility to fulfill that office. My responsibility is to help whoever's in this house develop the goal that God put in them. And that's a process. You know, Justin's a lot further along. I guess he would tell you and admit that he's further along as a worship leader today than he was when he started. He probably didn't see himself as a worship leader, didn't want to be a worship leader. But it, it ain't about what he wanted or what he saw. You know, it's about what God wanted to do. Somebody had to point that out, pull that out, and now try to help build that. And, and there's multiple people involved in his life that's helping him do that. But he might have wanted to be a pastor. You know, and one day down the road he might be. But you gotta have some people over you in the Lord that'll say, Look, this is the time for you right now. 
this is what you need to be doing right now. If you'll concentrate on that, I promise you, God will put you where he wants you. He's not bipolar. He's not crazy. He knows exactly what he's doing. So, Alrighty then. Take a break. <laughs> Just kidding. I want to start out with this. Success and leadership isn't measured by how, how many you have under you. Success and leadership is measured by how many surpass you. True success is not measured by how many I have under me, but how many blow me away. Yeah. And that's really the whole vision behind the Equipment Center is that people in this house who come in here will leave and keep relationship. That's the key thing. They leave, but they keep relationship. But yet the things they do for the kingdom sends ripples throughout the nations of the earth. I'm sure we all can agree that we've left churches and relationships were broken because we left. And probably because we didn't choose to. But that old model said, I can't be your friend because you left the house. But our heart here is that we have an, a family who's equipped, released, sent out, that we stay in contact with you guys. We are a family. And man, light invades and darkness goes. I like that. So I want to just give you, um, I want to give you three quick characteristics of what an equipping center looks like. Did you want to interject? Uh, I'll say the mic. Oh yeah. Well, you have some of these notes. I added some stuff. Okay. <laughs> uh, the the first thing I want to say is this: is that there is this place in the center where there is empowering you for miracles and signs and wonders, and that's a part of it. But one of the main purposes is for bringing you into maturity. And to me, that's the most important, is that you and I become mature, and you have the notes, uh, the scripture, Ephesians 4, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children. Now, let's start right there. There's a tension, because Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom. And yet Paul says... When I became a man, I put away childish things. So he's not talking about, he's not making a discrepancy in Scripture. He's talking about being mature in the faith. We understand when Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, he's about simple faith and obedience. Okay. To a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to Christ, as a result, we are not going to be children tossed here and there by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. And I think Paul bears this point out again in 1 Corinthians. For you, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have become your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you to be imitators of me. I want to ask you this. Would there have been a Joshua without a Moses? Would there have been an Elisha without an Elijah? Would there have been a Timothy without a Paul? Where would you be if there wasn't people in your life who was imitating the walk for you? Relationship is key. Yeah. And fathers are key. You know, Exodus chapter 12, not in your notes, just a sidebar here. It's the Passover. And the command was given to Israel to put blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death came by, whenever he saw the blood, they would pass by the house. 
and where there was no blood, death entered the house. I think it's very important we have a covering because where there is no covering, there's death. Now, I'm not going to say you're going to die physically, but just like Lee said, when you're that guy out on your own, doing your own thing without a covering, you're in a really bad place. And so I think part of the maturity is giving you the covering to walk in holiness, righteousness, uh, and those and really important things. Um, another thought. You go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to interject here about something that, um, you know, you guys come from different backgrounds. Some of you guys that are from the Pines, you might have come from different churches. And your heart may be to go back to your church. And I'm going to say if that's your heart and you feel like Holy Spirit speaks to that, go. But here's the key. Don't try to make your pastor an apostle if he's not. Don't try to hold him to the standard of a prophet if he's just a pastor. You go, and you receive pastorally from him, and the Holy Spirit will let you know if it's time for you to move on. You know, maybe God wants you to go back because this pastor really has a heart for you personally. And God thinks it's good for you to sit under that person because they have an interest vested in you, and they're going to pursue you unlike anybody else would. I don't know. So I'm not trying to tell you forsake all the other churches. You know what I'm saying? You have to, but I think that that's one thing when, when you take an evangelist and you put him under a pastor that's not an evangelist and there's not an evangelical voice or an evangelist voice in the house, that evangelist inside that church is going to be very frustrated. Yeah. Because every time he goes to a pastor's meeting or tries to share his heart with the pastor, the pastor's going to look at him like he's crazy. Because yeah. the pastor's seeing the people in the house. The evangelist is all about getting outside the house. Let's hit the streets. And so eventually there's going to be enough tension there that you know it's time to go. But if, it, if it's on your heart to go back and you think that that's where Holy Spirit's leading you, you know, I'm not telling you not to do that. I just want to interject that there. Because this is not a Freedom Point campaign, okay? We're not connected with the Pines to try to get people to come to our church. I mean, if, you're con if you connect here, that's great. We would love to have you. But that's not our agenda. Two more thoughts will move on to the second point. Number one, another thought is this. Um, people can discern gifts in your life. Fathers know how to pull it out of you. John Paul Jackson, this guy came to John Paul Jackson years ago and said, how do you hear the voice of God so well? He goes, I can't tell you how I hear the voice of God. I just do it. And the guy said, it's a shame you're going to die and take that to the grave with you. And John Paul Jackson had to learn to take his gift and put it on paper to teach the body. And then John Paul Jackson, even though he's dead now, has got this whole teaching on dreams and interpretation of how to hear the voice of God. What happened? A father learned how to pull the gift out of John Paul and put it on paper so the body could be trained. I think another thing about fathers is this. Fathers know how to set boundaries. They know how to set boundaries so you remain safe. So you don't wander off and, and get in, in danger. It's important we have fathers and not just mentors. Uh, a second characteristic about the equipping center. It's a place where you are empowered to do the work of the ministry. Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and sickness, Matthew 10, 1. Acts 8, therefore those who have been scattered went about preaching the word of God. Now, how do those in Acts 8 know how to preach the word of God? Because in Acts 2 you find out that they devoted themselves daily to the apostles' doctrine. They were in a house being equipped to do the ministry, and when persecution came in Acts 8, when they scattered from Jerusalem, they went to Samaria and they could preach the word because they had been trained in the apostles' doctrine. 
um, Romans 1, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. So here's a thought. Fivefold offices um, should be imparting into the people their gifts and callings. Another thing about Paul, too, and I've heard people describe this, well, this guy's an apostle because uh, we, we had a relationship with a guy not too long ago, and the lady described him as an apostle. And I was like, well, why do you feel like he's an apostle? Well, because he plants churches. Paul didn't plant churches. He didn't. Paul went into regions that Holy Spirit sent him, and he began to preach the gospel. And he began to explain to people what had just happened in and through Christ Jesus. And upon conversions, there was a necessity for a church. You know, the converts became the church. He didn't go in to just establish a church. You know, I mean, we could rent a building somewhere in some other part of the nation or, or county even, open up another church and send somebody from this house over there to, to pastor it and call ourselves apostles because we start churches. You know, and that may not even be... Uh, what God wants you to do. So don't think that an apostolic church is just a church that's able to replicate their form of leadership, even if it's a business model, and produce multiple sites. Because you can take McDonald's. I would say that McDonald's has been able to replicate their business model. We were watching something the other night. They were in Amsterdam, and they're, they were walking down the street, and they're behind them with golden arches. And I said to Angela, I said, man, McDonald's is daggone. That's, that's awesome that you can replicate yourself and become global. Yeah. So you can take a good business model, honestly, and start churches and become global. That don't mean you're apostolic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Third thought. Third, third thought. Uh, probably my favorite thought is this. So how will people are released in the purposes that Holy Spirit has called them into? And at 13, there's a really nugget I wanted to catch in at 13 right here. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Levon was there, because I can't pronounce that name, who had been brought up with Herod the Patriarch, and Saul. Now listen to this. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for what the work to which I have called them. Then when they have fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent up by the Holy Spirit, they went down and they sailed. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit said, separate them. And then they laid hands and they sent them out and, said, and it says being sent up by the Holy Spirit. It shows this dynamic connection of how people can partner with Hannah's agenda for the region and release those who reside in that local assembly. And I'm not going to read this four times, but even Acts 15 points out the same truth. And then you can read Acts 8, then you get the scriptures about how these people were all sent out. In other words, there's this thought of, of not being a lone ranger, but people having the ear of God and leaving or sending as Holy Spirit religious people. Now, I'm going to say something here, and this is not an absolute truth, okay? When people in this house want to minister outside the house, do they have to come to Lee? And the answer is, they don't have to. Because we will not be a shepherding church that controls people. But I, I find it very healthy that when people get invitations to come and minister outside the house, I find it very helpful that they come and present it to Lee. 
and even to intercessors to pray about, should I go or should I not go? Because just because you have an invitation to go doesn't mean you should go. Tension is this in the kingdom. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And yet there were times in the book of Acts where Paul was, it says that Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Huh. Go into all the world and preach, and yet Paul, don't go here because it's not the season. And I, one of the people I really respect, and this is, is, uh, is Apostle Mike Sirianni from New Day. When we were trying to get Pastor Mike lined up for the marriage conference in February, I called him back in May. I said, Mike, can you come do this? He goes, yeah, but let me call my intercessors and pray and say this is the will of God. I was like, whoa. I mean, he's a pastor in multiple <laughs> churches. He's probably on the East Coast, one of the fastest up-and-coming apostolic churches. And we asked him to come minister. He's like, yeah, I don't think it'll be a problem, but let me run it by my intercessors and see if they think it's the season for me to come. So, I mean, you know, we and ourselves were like, yeah, we're going to go because it exalts us, makes us feel better, makes us feel like we have arrived, that people would want us to come. You know, their churches right now, if they asked me to come, I wouldn't go. You know, only Holy Spirit knows unless Holy Spirit said go, and he would have to actually audibly say go. If... Uh, <laughs> But there are, there are times that pe- there are different agendas, and you don't always know the agenda. And if people are going to ask you to come into a region and release what you have for the wrong agenda, you're wasting your time. I mean, even if you think it's a godly thing. And that's why Paul, surely to goodness, it's a godly thing for Paul to go into Asia and preach the gospel. And Holy Spirit said, no. You cannot go into Asia and preach the gospel. Read it. It's in your word. Holy Spirit said you can't go. Another time he wanted to go somewhere. I forget where else he wanted to go. Holy Spirit once again. It's in the book of Acts. No, you can't go. Now later on the word was spread Mm -hmm. into these areas. But for some reason, and we don't know why, it wasn't time. I don't know if there was something there that was going to hinder Paul or if it just they weren't ready and receptive to hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit directed him to different places and said, now's the season to go to that place. And something that Paul was talking about in Acts chapter 13, now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. If we read the rest of that, we also see several of the other five-fold ministries in operation at this church. And they were giving themselves to ministering unto the Lord. This is why we preach presence. When we come in on Sunday morning, it is not about we want to put the words up so that people can engage. We want to sing songs that are familiar. That's great. But the main focus is getting into the presence of the Lord and ministering to Him. When you minister, now it says they were ministering to Him and fasting. That Holy Spirit said, separate us, Barnabas and Paul, or Saul, for the work of the ministry. So, you know, th- those are key nuggets to see how that works. You know, in, in the model that I grew up in, you, you know, you went before the board, and if they approved you, you know, you were allowed to enter into a ministerial process of ordination, and then you go through the process, and then you would have to take some church that nobody wanted, and you do your due diligence and pay the price, and you can work your way up and get a good church. Hmm. And that was, the, that was the model. It wasn't about sons and daughters. It was a business model. 
you start in in the mail room and you work your way up to the CEO's office. And if the CEO don't want to retire, the only way you can do is take his church. Yeah. And that's what happens. Young men who are supposed to be being fathered, they're not fathered, so they're bastards. They don't know how to, they don't know how to do things right, so they want to be the pastor. They can't kill him. So they'll just take half his church and start their own. And that's what that breeds. That's what that control model breeds. You see it all the time. 